We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike, and this is the last pod of the offseason. Tomorrow, Rob Palinka and Darvin Ham will be addressing the media, and then Monday is media day. So we are going to be wrapping it up with uh, the second part of our two-part uh, mailbag pod. And to join us to do that is wonderful producer Jeannie. How you doing, Jeannie? Hi, I'm very good. Just so everyone knows, Pete is contractually obligated to call me wonderful every time he yeah. mentions me on the pod. Your WPJ in, in the text thread, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, let's go. Back to back mail ballads. First question is from Prince. In your opinion, if you check a box score and want to determine the winner without looking at the final box score, which three stats would you look to determine the winner, i.e. rebounds, free throws, three-point differential, turnovers, etc.? Basically, in your opinion, which three stats affect winning the most? Darius, what do you think? Oh, man. So I was going to get sarcastic and say, like, the final points. <laughs> but obviously, that's undercutting the nature of this question. This is an interesting question because I am not so much a, like, oh, let's look at the box score and see what happened sort of person. Something that goes back a long way, though, that's called, like, four factors, mm-hmm. which is known to be a driver of what wins games, right? And it's like rebounds and turnovers. Like a lot of times I look at the combination of field goal attempts and free throw attempts versus like what the opponent did, because that tells you a certain amount about possessions. I do look at turnovers a fair amount. We are disciples of the Pat Riley era, Pete. And so like rebounds Mm -hmm. are certainly important. And I don't know if I'm going to step on Mike's toes with this one a little bit, but like three point shooting and three point rate and like the differential between you and what the other team did in today's NBA is always super important to me. Like I remember last season, there were games where the Lakers would be minus eight or nine or 10 makes from behind the arc. It's to me, it's almost impossible to win Math if you're hard. a minus 24 yeah. from behind the three-point arc or a minus 27. The Lakers would have those games where they went four for 20 from three and the other team went 12 for 36. And it's just like, well, they didn't even shoot that well from three, but they made eight more of them. So stuff like that are the things I sort of look at if I didn't have a chance to watch the game. But what about you, Mike? Well, Darius, 
Prince asked for three stats, and you just sure. gave um, th- all, all like of them, thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I I would like you to narrow down your three, and uh, in, in then and then uh, I sure. would like to, Pete to go, and then I'm going to close it out. So let's look at turnovers. Let's look at the point I just made about three point shooting and like differential, and let's look at um, defensive rebounding, not just rebounding as a whole, but defensive rebounding. And I will go turnover differential. I'll go field goal percentage differential. I think that's more important and more key to winning than than one might think. And then um, three point differential as well. It's it's. Do you have the ball, Mike? And do you make the ball when when you uh, score? For all we talk about on this pod, that's basically what the game comes down to, right? Last year, Greg Popovich made a point that was essentially, I all I need to do is look at three pointers made. Uh, and, and that's how much the game has changed. Wow. And I think that I, I sort of reluctantly have come along to that. So it, that technically would be the first answer. When I look at the box score, I still look at it like I looked at like I've looked at it for many years. And I think about the sort of the things that you can control, at least some with energy and effort. And so that would be total rebounds um, it would be one of them. And then the other one is free throw attempts. So like, how aggressive is the team being? Um, how much are you going to the rim? How much are you engaged in the game? I think those two stats tell a lot. And, and coaches will a lot of times look at those because then they can. That's the one thing they get. In the, it's not as much about execution. It's more about energy and effort. Um, in that sense. So that changes a little bit once you get to the postseason when it is more about execution because you're getting that requisite level. Uh, you don't typically have have people like not rebounding as much as they might in a game in, in January. But so for spirit of the question, though, um, three point field goals made field goal percentage um, and then turnovers would be sort yeah. of those three execution ones on on top of the rebounding. Uh, and, and by the way. Uh it's Pete's birthday, Darius. Oh. <laughs> See? He was going to try to skate. I usually do. I usually this. skate by on this, too. But it's his birthday. Okay. This is amazing. This is amazing. I'm so happy you did this <laughs> because, you know, Pete loves, Pete loves when his birthday is out there in the open. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> It's one of those. those yeah, I was going to say, Stevie, I was, Stevie's I, more my choice. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. I I could only imagine. Like, I wish we were at one of those like garish restaurants where they like come out and they bring oh, you yeah, this massive dessert, yeah. and, and then they sing and they dance. And I'd love to see Pete's face if we were <laughs> at a place that did that. Happy birthday, Pete! I'm glad you Thank did you. this now, Mike, and didn't wait until the end so that there's really like no getting around this and we were able to acknowledge it. Yeah, don't edit this out, Pete. Well, I mean, we might be having copyright violations with the music right now, like quite heavily, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, I didn't want to be a downer, but that's the first thing I thought of. They won't check it. They won't check it. It's fine. Uh-huh. It's fine. Pete oh, might I can just it. sing. If you prefer, I report it so that it doesn't make live air. That's right. Yeah, yeah it won't. It won't That's right. I'm gonna be the one that flags the... it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yes. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> What's All right. What do we got next, Jeannie? <laughs> okay. The next question is from Max Christie. Season when the media, including LFR, says I need to look at more film on Player X. Can you elaborate what that process looks like? Is it just looking at highlights on YouTube? Or does the media have access to some kind of universal film via NBA video software 
birthday boy first. <laughs> uh, I love this question. Um, it's so since working for the team, we have access to certain tools that have just made this so much easier than it used to be. In that, um, first, there's the NBA archive, which has every game sorted and tagged by name and event and player and whatnot from all the different camera angles. So it's in some ways it can be paralysis by analysis in that there's so much there's so much information that it, you can kind of get lost in the sauce. But that's been something for me that being able to have access to each of the camera angles, you can see each individual play up close. And so it's made me better at understanding the individual one-on-one -on -one matchups between a player on offense and a player on defense. Um, we also just got a Synergy account, which we're very excited about. And uh, I'll talk more about in a sec. If it's something that you're interested in, though, um, and you don't have access to those tools, the NBA.com site, they don't advertise it, I think, as well as, as they should has all sorts of awesome tools that if you get into the box scores, the, there are plays that are hyperlinked, right, for each each player, their shot attempts. It's basically all the box score stats. You can click on them and then a little reel will come up of each play. Say guy LeBron gets 10 assists in a game. You can see those 10 assists, right? And you can see that over the course of the season for him as well. And so there's all sorts of great tools on there if you want to break down a, a individual game play by play. That said, there is still value in and scouting, quote unquote, a guy's highlights, because I think there's value in knowing what a guy looks like when he's playing well. Um, so you have to properly contextualize it, but you uh, you can get information from anything. And so, Mike, you just recently did a uh, some some Trudell film room on uh, Gabe Vincent on Synergy. So we're lucky to have the tools at our disposal that we have. Yeah, there's kind of there's two things. So Perforce Synergy, uh, which does <clears throat> make it extremely easy to break down an individual player's film. Uh, I I like to just watch as many games as I can. And so that it's it, of course, it's not as applicable with the way that you worded the question, which is I need to look at more film on player X. Um, I like to watch it within the context of a game and not just pick out the individual highlights, because yes. I, I think that then you lose some of the context and you lose. Well, how tight was the game? Um, is the other team really playing their best? Who's in? Who's out? All of those kind of contextual things. But of course, it's difficult to watch. Um, every game. And I get the benefit, though, of, of being able to see every team in person at least twice. And so that helps, too. So by the end of the season, that provides additional context if I want to look something up on a player. But in terms of your actual question, like it, it would go to more to what Pete said, where um, for, if you have a Synergy account, you can very easily call up just one player's highlights. If you don't, then there are other ways to do it, um, like just YouTube. My guess is that TikTok has all kinds of uh, uh, elements or, or things that you can find on this Instagram. Like there, are, that's the, the beauty about now versus when we were growing up oh, as yeah. fans, where we just had to wait for the Sports Center highlights uh, to come on at night, um, and that was it. Like pre-internet, and and so it was all about the box score um, at that point. Speaking of box score reading, it's it's a much more beautiful time to be a basketball fan in that context now. Even when I started LFR, I was downloading from just the sketchiest like. Russian and Spanish like torrent sites and stuff and the things the viruses I put on my computer like trying to download full games or even a half for something you know it's it's yeah way easier now yeah I would put in a second for what Pete mentioned about going to the NBA stat site so nba.com slash stats there's a ton of information there just in general even to get contextual information that doesn't include mm -hmm. video around like what players or teams are doing Obviously, they do have the advanced box scores and box scores with hyperlinks to a lot of the stuff. Also, too, like I think a part of this question is around discernment about what you're looking for. And so there are times where 
you can go into a player's profile at the NBA stats site and say, like, I just want to look at all their makes. But you can also go in and say, like, I want to look at all their turnovers. Like, Mm -hmm. right. Like, I want to look at all of their Mm -hmm. shot attempts. There are so many different things that you can get granular about. The other thing that I could recommend, too, is that if you're a League Pass subscriber, you can watch the condensed versions of games and not like the full game. And you could get a sense of like what happened. You're not going to get the full context that that Mike mentioned, but you are going to get some some information about stuff. And Pete's spoken about this a fair amount. And this speaks to Mike's point about how you're not always going to be able to zero in. But in a game, when you if you want to go back and watch something specific about, say, Austin Reeves, go in and watch a game and just watch Austin. It's just like, this is how you would scout oh, if you were at a game. You do zoom out and watch the the bigger context of things. But if you want to see how Austin is getting over screens, like on the weak side, you're not going to get a sense of that by watching the ball. That's right. So there's tons of things that you can learn just about adjusting your eye and retraining your eye about how you watch the game in general. And you'll start to pick up more things in real time yeah. beyond just like going back and rewatching, which is where you can find a bunch of more nuance. Yeah. Zeroing in on an individual player rather than tracking the ball the whole time, you will see all sorts of things that you didn't see before. And that's one of the great things about basketball, depending on the perspective that you're watching, it will change the things that you see. Let's take a break and we'll come back. Keep mailbag going. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, the next question is from AJM. This question is for Darius. Oxtail karikari or oh. pork belly karikari? Also, oh, bonus question. Pork sinigang or beef nilaga? Darius? So here's the thing is if... You're going to do the kare kare, then you should let's let's keep it with beef and, and let's do the oxtail. And then my wife's a synagogue person. That's a soup for those. It's sort of like yeah, a for us, uninitiated, salary, yeah. like fill us in here. So kare kare, it's it's an interesting sort of like stewish type of dish. And um, at least the versions that I've had. Right. It's just like you go to any Filipino's house. And it's just like, oh, it tastes a little bit different. And my auntie makes it this way. And that's the best version that I've ever had. It's classic that way. Um, but it actually has like peanut butter in the sauce. And, and, and so it's, it's, it's an interesting flavor. And if you're unaccustomed to it, it might hit you a certain way at first. Sinagang has like, um, it's kind of got a soury taste to it. And it's got tamarind paste in it. So I don't know if you've ever had tamarind. 
I don't want to go too far down sure, this sure. road, but my wife is a synagogue person. So if I went the other direction, then she'd be like, even though she's not going to listen to the pod. To, <laughs> so shout out to my wife. Then she'd be upset if I didn't say synagogue. So so there we are. Dairy's food quarter. If uh, you're going to go try some Filipino food, then try it out. Those versions. Sounds delicious. <laughs> The next question is from friend of the pod, Joey Ramirez. Ah. Yes. Who are the guys' dream guests for the pod? Shaq, Braun, Jack, Bill Burka, Harrison Fagan. Mike, what say you? <laughs> one of these things is not like the other. Mm. I won't say which one. Um, <laughs> I First of all, Joey's uh, probably our best guest that we've ever had on. Yes. I think that, so for me... I stand in right when I do my sideline hits uh, next to the basket. It's kind of like between the Lakers bench and the basket. Uh, Will Ferrell sits right in the seat that's about three feet away from me. And so over the years, you know, now I have a pretty pleasant kind of sometimes it started with just a head nod. Now kind of, hey, how you doing? He'll bring a son a lot of times. And I'm always tempted to, to sort of push it. But I think he respects that I always keep it at that level and don't start trying to quote Anchorman. Um, and stuff like that. Although I did get a new suit this year that looks uh, almost exactly like the I Anchorman suit. I saw that on IG. Ding. On Ding was digging yeah. you a little yeah. bit. I was yeah. just like, on, look on at Ding spectrum, on barbs. the post-game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, did, I show, wore yeah. on the studio show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so I think that it's like it's one of those things where it's gotten to a point. I feel like it's I could ask him at a certain point. So it's it's just realistic enough to not completely dismiss and there, and I think obviously he would be great, and it would be less about you know uh, trying to hit, trying to have him do zingy one-liners and just really talk basketball uh, for somebody like that, that that sits courtside and has seen a lot of games. And then you know along those lines, you've got your Denzels and your Leos, and certainly Jack. Like if you're going for that celebrity type um, of what does this guy actually think about the basketball, like that type of stuff is is more interesting to me uh, than former players who like we we do get a chance to get on the broadcast here and there. Like Kareem and Shaq have been on you know Spectrum and games and stuff like that. So um, that's probably where I would go. How about you guys? So I was looking at at our list again, and so Mike didn't answer the question around. Of the four guys that were actually brought oh, up, with, I, I took which it as a, those were suggestions oh, from Joey, but those not were, oh, those were suggestions. Too. Yeah, sure. Well, of that yeah. list, just to the correct speak answer to, on to, that list is Bill Burka. Um, yeah, it was going to be Burka because yes. Burka's yeah. the goat, <laughs> right? Burka's great. Every time I listen to to Burka talk about like the past and basketball and all that he's seen, that stuff is great. I'm, I don't know. Honestly, like Pete, way back when, when we used to talk about like what we would do with like the pod when it was just like just an idea that was in the wind. Mm -hmm. Right. It was always about trying to to talk to fans from the from our perspectives about like what we see and what we love about the game. Right. And our ideas around like if we were to ever have guests, we always thought that it should be someone who's going to bring like all this value to the pod in terms of giving us and offering us a perspective that we don't often Mm -hmm. get access to. Right. And so I'd love to have an unfiltered conversation with like Phil Handy, for example, Um, someone who has like seen so much around the game, but still active in it has been a coach on multiple championship staffs 
right? Like I, I think wasn't Phil in Toronto mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for the year that they won with Nick Nurse and Kawhi. He was in Cleveland during one of LeBron's stints, right? Like he coached Kobe way back in the day. Like there would be so many conversations that you could have with, with a guy like Phil beyond the fact that he's done all this player development work and worked with so many different players. And so someone who could share more knowledge about the game and offer fans and listeners a perspective that they don't often get access to because these guys don't talk a lot. So someone like Phil, I think would be a great get. This is an easy one for me, and it's LeBron James. I mean, if we're going for ideal guests, like the idea of <laughs> sure. geeking out about basketball with uh, with LeBron, and so I, I had always dreamed of of having that shot with Kobe. Um, and so, uh, yeah, like getting into the weeds with with a guy like LeBron would be absolutely incredible. Where would you guys rank uh, Harrison in context with sort of other Lakers podcasters? Because I, for the record, am a Harrison fan. Um, uh-huh. I, I do enjoy Harrison's uh, particular brand of humor uh, and and I would rank him high. And I want to say that for the record, because earlier it might have sounded like I slighted him if you assumed that I was pulling that name out of the uh, the other four, uh, which which may not be true. I, I, I can't say either way, but I do. I am pro Harrison. Yes, we are. I think this is a pro Harrison podcast. Yes. <laughs> Harrison's great. Yes. Shout out to Mia, too. Yes. Yes, they're both great. Yep. Next question is from Ivan. When is the last time you guys played a game of pickup basketball? What archetype of player do each of you guys play as? Love the pod. You guys are amazing. Darius first. Oh, dear. It's been a long time. So I used to have I, I used to have a regular Saturday run. I would go run with my with my guy, Eddie, Ed, the sports fan. You may see him out there in the streets. Ed's my dude. So we used to play. But it's been years and years and years since since I played a game of pickup. My style of play, I like I always liken myself to like a pass first point guard who also tried to commit to defending. Right. And so like Trudell here, I am a competitive person. And so I want to win every single time. And I do not play around when it's time to compete. It's time to compete. Let's get after it. But my style of play was more like an Andre Miller type of guard, like like a pass first dude. I'd play out of the post a little bit. Like that style of game. So so that's how I would liken my game. When I was younger, though, I played more like Nick Vanna. See, I, we, we may have size issues in the backcourt if, if you and I were paired together, but our styles of play are very complementary, right? I'm a, I'm a catch and shoot guy that can pass off of a closeout. Not a great ball handler. So that's that was the, the thing that I, I never got uh, like – like I, I can make some great passes. That's like my one skill on the court and I can do some connector type of things. But in terms of like breaking a guy down off the dribble, mic, I'm more of the catch and shoot guy off of somebody else's creation. Right. So that's that's my style of archetype. And, and for me, it's gosh, been three, four years now. I do have a hoop, though, out in front of, of my place. And so I'll go up and put some shots up on not as regularly as I, I should, but I, I still get them up uh, every so often. How about you, Mike? I was just looking through my photos to find the actual last time that I played pickup, but basically there's, um, I don't know. I don't know if I should say the specific location, but shout out to a longtime Lakers season ticket uh, holder who has like a, a replica 
um, Lakers court in his house um, and had been for years saying, you got to come play here. And I actually went uh, one time, Dave McMenamin was going, um, you know, Dave from ESPN, obviously. And he was like, all right, l- l- let's just go. Let's go. This-. And I'm, I haven't played much lately, but I can still play a little bit. Uh, and I, I was like, all right, fine. So we go play and about 15 minutes into the game, I'm, as always, I'm probably trying a little bit too hard relative to some of the other people that are on the court, but that's just the way that I play. And I smash heads uh, with somebody as I'm as I'm going for a loose ball, um, split my forehead open pretty no. good. And this is on a Laker game day. And no. so McMenamin has to take me to the ER. Uh, I up up in the area that we're in. I end up getting I don't I want to say like somewhere between seven and ten stitches uh, kind of like right above my eye. And so there's a picture. I, I the Lakers won that game. I think it was the last game of the season, and I, I can't remember. If it was four years ago. I think it was like the year before the pandemic. Uh, and I so I've got a huge band aid covering, uh, but I did make it to the game on time, like barely. I had to because I had to go get my car, then I had to drive home, get a suit on, and and then like the day after, I my whole face is covered in like this big bruise. Um, but that was the last time I played a competitive pickup game. Um, I basically retired from that point thinking that injuries were just going to keep happening. Uh, my game, my style, what player did I play? Like I would say kind of like a Goran Dragic, uh, pretty athletic, mm-hmm. uh, feisty, not a great shooter, uh, but like could hit a nice pull up J from the elbow, which would be discouraged in the modern game. But that, that was the shot that I would take in high school. And I was, I could get by my guy usually. So I would, I would be, I would get around my guy, get into the lane and then kick out um, or, or finish if the defense didn't come over to help in time. So um, I played, I played a couple of years of high school basketball before senior year. I had to kind of focus on soccer um, before, before that started. But yeah, that was my game. I've since retired and now just shoot around with my boys. That was fantastic. So this would have been LeBron's first first season then. That would have been LeBron's mm-hmm. first season yeah. if it was the year before uh, the pandemic. I think it was his second I think it was his second season after, right? Because his first because well, his the, first season was 17, the first, 18. The second season was the bubble the was year. the title season. So it was so 17, 18, 18, 19. Maybe it was, yeah. Maybe it was. because it, it, the game wasn't especially meaningful. So that would have made sense. Um yeah. Well, I, I, I can yeah. Mike, if we're talking about the same court or if we're thinking of the same court, I've seen that court like on random social media places. And like, I think teams have held practices there when they couldn't get access to other gyms. That was great. Let's uh, let's take a a break and uh, come back and finish this off. Okay, guys, the next question is from El Kobe. Which of the new Laker players will most likely provide leadership and experience to the roster? Pete, what do you think? This is an interesting one because I, I've heard that Torian Prince is a good locker room guy. Um, I I don't know, you know, but uh, this team I was thinking is most of it's under 30, right? It has a very clear hierarchy, both in terms of not just like best players, but also that leadership type of aspect. I think that can go too far in one direction where if you don't have enough vets, then come playoff time, that can cause some issues. Um, but to me, both Prince and Vincent add a certain amount of like vet leadership in that Prince is going to do his job and he knows what he's doing. And he's been doing that particular job for years now. And so he's a prof- professional 3 and D wing. Gabe Vincent like grinded his way to the point that he's at. He's not as as experienced as, as uh, Prince is. But he is that type of player that 
Mike, you did a, a film session on him the other day where, you know, you're like, this dude's just got a certain a level of moxie to him that, you know, I think provides a steadiness in when when things are are hard and when, you know, uh, basketball is at its most intense. And so those are the two guys that come to mind. But I think the fact that it's actually mostly young guys that we signed and whether it's re-signing or brought in and the leadership hierarchy of this team, I think, is is very clear. But Mike, Prince is a guy we haven't talked a ton about. I'm curious your thoughts on him both on the court and off of it. Yeah, I haven't asked the people in Minnesota for specifics until I kind of meet them myself and talk. I like I like to try and get my own first impression, um, and then I'll see what I think of the guy, and, and then maybe I'll send a few texts to some Minnesota people. I'm like, hey, what did you think of Prince last year? You know, what were the pluses and minuses inside the locker room, outside the locker room, all that kind of stuff. But I, I usually like to try and at least do it myself first. Um, I tried to do the same thing with Westbrook, uh, like somebody like that where you hear a lot about coming in. Um, Because I do think that when you have your own first opinion, it can be it can be easily swayed if people that you trust tell you one thing or the other. But just from him as a player, I've always liked that type of guy, uh, right, with the with the requisite NBA size and the requisite ability to shoot. And I just have been like watching some of the the film on him and thinking about, you know, how he the, the lack of rebounding that I've mentioned before. I'm curious if he can, if he can big, if he can up his game a little bit more um, and just use some of the size that he has to help the Lakers in that way, you know, as opposed to just being a guy who takes threes in the corner and then goes back and tries to defend. So I'm, I think that Prince has, he's not like needed in a, in a sense that the Lakers, from what you look at from a rotation heading into the season for crunch time, for example, but if he pops a certain way, then he can make things a lot more interesting and he could just really raise the ceiling of the team. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if any of these guys are like leaders, leaders, or if they are more like lead, like lead by example, or if they're the type to sort of just recede into the background. Some it's interesting, though, the makeup of any lock locker room changes and and with the players and with the personalities and what the mix is and finding that right elixir, Pete, I think, is always one of the magical parts of a team that goes beyond what the talent on paper says. We said this a lot about the the 2019-20 team that won the title. They were a brand new team that played as though they had played together for a lot longer. Mm -hmm. And there was a chemistry of not only skill sets, but a personality where if you listen to any of the players talk about that season, they will talk about how they all went out on the road together and they spent a lot of time together as as a group and they endured a lot as a group. And that coming together is something that that can't be overstated or overvalued there mm-hmm. there's always a certain amount of that 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 you want and, and so less from a leadership perspective and more from a togetherness perspective yeah. is what i'm looking for from the new guys and can they sort of bring the group together even more even if it's not from a rah rah i'm a leader standpoint yeah that togetherness is something that i think was really necessary to survive the bubble you know um oh look at that mike is showing us the it looks like you got hit with the right hook from tyson man I found the photo. So I was I was digging through. And then here's uh here's a shot from the game that night. <laughs> oh. And it was it was the end of the of the 2019 regular season. Um okay. and so that was a the Lakers played Portland. Or no. They I'm sorry, it was the second game before the end. So they played Utah. They won 119-109. KCP had 32 points. Um oh. let's see. Demario Jones had yes. 16 rebounds. He yes. was the walk-off interview. Um, the, the rest of the starting lineup was JaVale McGee, Mike Muscala, 
and Alex Caruso uh, with with Bonga and Wagner coming off the bench uh, in addition to J-Dub, Jay Williams. So, yeah, that, that was a time. <laughs> that was a time. Oh, what an era. Those names that you just said. Shout out to Mo Wagner and Isaac Bonga. Mike, can I share those photos of you putting your phone up on Twitter? Sure. Or I mean, okay, or I can ahead. just send you the actual, I can send you the, well, I mean, I don't know if people want to see the, you know, the gruesome one with like the blood the uh, shot and of, stuff on it. Honestly, the visual but of I, you holding the phone up, like the look on your face and then the look of your like <laughs> battered face was actually quite good. So the screenshot, I vote like, screenshot. Yeah. Like rather that? than, yeah. Like you're looking like, Hey, look at my fucked up face. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right. If, if you would, yeah. Fine with me. Cool. That's oh, podcasting. All right. Yeah. I would have, I would have combed my hair, but we're fine. Hey. <laughs> okay, the last question is from Chris Covello. Love the show first off and go Lakers. Want to know, in my opinion, Denver got worse with the subtractions of Brown and Green while the Lakers added more size, shooting, and depth. Besides health, what would be the reason why we aren't the favorites in the West? Thanks. Mike? I like the way, Chris, that you phrased this question because it's a it shows some insight that you have that you might be, you know, but you're putting it out in a kind of a soft way in a respectful way, which I like, right? Cause you're like, you're basically like, look, the Lakers should be the favorites, but you said it in a, in a very sensible way. And I totally agree with you about Denver, right? Getting worse. And I do for, from, if I were, if I were from Denver and rooting for the nuggets, I would worry about the ability to find the, the collective energy and that Jokic can carry that incredibly huge burden again um, in the modern NBA. And so when we did our tiers a couple of podcasts ago, I had the Lakers in that top tier with Denver and with Phoenix. And we don't need to debate Phoenix again. We've certainly done that uh, multiple times. But I just see the West this year as not just that upper tier, but with the teams behind them. Um, Darius had mentioned the Warriors. So we could talk about Memphis or um, the. Well, there are like four or five other teams like Dallas, if things go perfect, right? Minnesota, if they if they make a move, New Orleans, if things go. So there are teams that, are, that I think are kind of good enough to not have there be a, a, a favorite, like a team that goes in whose roster is definitely better than everyone else's. Um, you know, we, we think most recently to the Warriors when they were coming in, it was like something would have to go wrong with that team for them not to win. Um, and I, I just think the West is different this year in that, so one of these teams will have an injury and they will drop out. Another one of these teams will make a trade and they will be more interesting. I, I just don't see it as anybody being like a clear favorite um, other than giving the respect to the team that won the year before. But if you wanted to persuade me that with the Lakers roster and having lost in the conference finals and, and having the hunger and LeBron's you know, 21st season and all of the energy they have in as a team that's certainly at the top of that list, like I, you can make that argument very well. Um, I'm just giving some deference to how deep the conference is and acknowledging the health risks that the Lakers have had in recent seasons. And, you know, that being a thing that keeps me from just having them as an outright favorite. I, I really like the underlying premise of Chris's question here. And he does say, you know, health, putting health aside, obviously that's the, the main thing that I think can derail us. I think he's right. I think that the, um, I think a couple of things go into it in terms of who the favorite is. That's sort of like consensus opinion. And the Lakers are never, unless they had just won the title, they are never considered the favorites uh, in at least the modern media era. If you think of the 1920 season and everything, you know, Portland was supposed to beat us in the first round as the greatest eighth seed of all time. Right. And the Houston Rockets were supposed to be the perfect style of play to beat us in. And 
in reality on here on planet earth like we beat the crap out of those teams and even even last season like and this is another thing too is that like we were not very good at all not that long ago and it was such a quick turnaround that i think that people did not catch up to that at the end of last year but even d the whole idea of oh can they win high 50s low 60s type of games that's the pace that they won at over one third of the season. They were 19 and eight over the course of the end of the year after the trade deadline. And that was with LeBron missing over half of those games. So we played 27 games. LeBron missed 15 of them. D'Lo missed like nine of them. Now, AD only missed two of them. Right. And that's not something that may that may replicate. But I think Chris has a point of of like, I think that there's a strong argument that the Lakers are the favorite, even though like. I haven't seen enough of it, like the rubber to the road to be like, oh, yeah, they are. But I think he, I like we always look at the Lakers through the what they're not type of lens. And we had the worries and weaknesses pod most recently. Yeah. But it's it's easy to put aside what they are until they actually do it. You know? Yeah. It's just like the favorite is almost always going to be either the defending champs or are the Celtics good? Yes. Because oh, if yeah, the Celtics are good, for, then, yeah, if you could vote for the champion no, every year, they'd be about to three peat. Well, if the Celtics are good, then even this year, the Celtics are listed as going to be like one of the favorites to win the championship. Mike, do you have any thoughts on I, my opening salvo here? This is where it's like I love I love you guys, right? So it's <laughs> I I hate to push back too much when we get into the whole like Lakers as victims thing and like the way that people view the Lakers is I. I don't I don't fully agree with it. Um, I, I think that but I'm, <laughs> no. keep, I can keep that. No, people, here, make let's predictions. Play, here, play. people make predictions. They put it on wax, Mike. And they, it's usually but, right, not but us Pete, when you mentioned you mentioned Portland and Houston. Nobody would actually pick them to win those series, though. Oh, I think yeah. there was some. Hope, oh, they did. Zach Lowe not, picked Houston to beat ma- us. Zach Lowe, who I respect okay, so, a ton. Right. Like there's no it, like he's. I, Right. And so I'm not saying nobody did. I, maybe I said that literally. I should have rephrased. <laughs> I think that the the majority of folk, even if you just want to pull out the ESPN picks, right, most people were still picking the Lakers um, in that route. I do think the Lakers didn't get as like I was I was pushing that narrative all season that the team was better than people realized. Right. That was my whole like, hey, they just won their 17th straight road right. game in a Western Conference arena. Right. Like they are. But since they had been kind of a tire fire the year before. Since the whole thing with the management with magic, there was there was skepticism building into that and and like what LeBron supporting cast was and how much they gave up for 80. And I, I didn't think that it was all um, completely fair, but it also just showed that people hadn't gotten to watch the team enough from that to win that respect over. And I think that happens for any team that hasn't won and in, 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 including Denver last year, including for me. Where I, I was like, I need to see Jokic, even though they, they were first in the regular season, they had established themselves, they had won in all the difficult road arenas. And I was like, yeah, show me when they actually can win the title without a defensive center. So I just think that that is, that is what most teams get from the outside perspective. You have to like actually win for people to finally begrudgingly say, okay, you get the respect. And it's not just the Lakers. I I think a lot of teams get that, even if the Lakers are a little bit more fun to hate because of the greatness and the history and the pomp and the circumstance and all that. That idea of that, like, oh, like we actually have to, that they didn't see the Lakers do it. Are we not on national TV enough? Do we need all our games to be on national TV? Well, not everybody watches all of the games, though, right? You don't in, say. To do the comment in that, in that, but that is guess what though? People, people don't have the time to watch every game. Uh, then don't have strong opinions. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, but that's the whole. Like, me, that's, that's the their whole jobs. world. Most of the time, of it's media. their jobs. By the way, 
but it's even harder in news with with much bigger stakes, right? And we have people commenting on things all the time that they don't know that much about, but that's sort of like how otherwise we wouldn't have people talking about things at all. And then that we would just be missing that element. But that's a deeper conversation. <laughs> so I'm going to get back to this answer about Denver really quickly. Uh, like, I do think that putting Denver head and shoulders above anyone would would be a mistake. Um, repeating as NBA champion is very hard. And the idea of the favorite, I think, Pete, you framed it correctly, that that's obviously just consensus opinion. It's like what the majority of the people think is most likely out of a bunch of different outcomes. Fact of the matter is, is that if you listen to smart people talk, they will tell you that the Lakers are one of the four to six teams that they think have a realistic chance of winning the NBA championship. And that number oscillates between three and six or seven every single year. And if you're in that group to start the season, you are quote unquote, one of the favorites. And I don't care if the Lakers are the top favorite or the team that's being disrespected by everyone. Like I do care about that a little bit just because I want honesty within the media and not necessarily a reflection of what can I say to incite, right? And and like, what can drive conversation? Because I think people, and this is a media critique now, I think people talking about things in a smart, engaging way is just as, is going to incite just as much dialogue as someone saying a hot take that's going to basically try to inspire a lot of back and forth. Like I'd much rather listen to the smart person talk. And the way this question was framed was smart because it got us to talk a lot. Good stuff, Chris. Thank you. Thank you uh, to everyone who asked a question. We obviously did not get to even half of them. Several of them are going to be kind of topics that we talk about on the pod going forward, though. And uh, But first, we've got Robin Darvin on Thursday. We will be back on Friday to discuss how that went. Mike, you have time with one of them, right? Uh, you have one-on-one time as well, right? I'm expecting to, uh, and, and also happy birthday again. Ah, thank you. Thank you. All right, y'all. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Miss it. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. With a little talk to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James. 
putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.